Sort of in the trench. Um, today we have a really, really cool guest. Uh, his name is Fabian Leha, and he is a marine biologist. And we really dove deep in today, so it's a pretty long episode. I'm gonna make the the, the introduction kind of quick. Uh, we're brought to you by the same sponsors as usual. We have Amore Pizza Davy. Um, thank you to Kayla and Kyle for always sponsoring us, and we have uh, Alliance Technology. So check out AmorePizzaDavy.com and AllianceTechnology.com for your direct TV and internet needs and for any Italian food needs you might want. Anyways, uh, let's get right into the video. Hello. Well, hey, how's it going, bro? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, really nice to meet you, man. Um, nice to meet you, too. Name's Esteban. Um, so really cool to have you on. I've really been excited to have a marine biologist on, especially since our, you know, the, sh the entire show is called In the Trench. Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I've never done anything like this, and... Um, it feels kind of nice that somebody's looking to me for some sort of, um, you know, reference in a way. Of course. No, of course. You, you, um, you went to school in University of Las Vegas, correct? Yeah, that's right. Awesome. And how long have you been studying marine biology? So I, I, um, it's always been my uh, goal to study some sort of marine science. In terms of actually being in within research of a marine science, it was like a span of like one year. Okay. Um, my first research was more about evolution. Okay. Because um, when you're an undergraduate, just getting your bachelor's, it's more about getting your foot in the door rather than saying, okay, I'm going to do this one thing and that's what it's going to be. Yeah. So my first thing was evolution, which I, I did enjoy um, regardless, but eventually, you know, being in Nevada, in the middle of a desert, it's not the ideal place to be studying marine biology. And so I was uh, lucky enough to be um, linked to a professor who uh, has connections with uh, the Mandalay Bay Aquarium here in Vegas. And um, we did a lot of research about horseshoe crabs. And what, what kind of research did he do? So horseshoe... Have you ever um, been to an aquarium with like a touch tank where you can like reach in and like interact with the animals, that sort of thing? My girlfriend so, and I went to one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, um, the problem with, you know, just captive animals in general oftentimes is that they don't live as long as they're projected to in the wild. And something similar is happening with the horseshoe crabs. They weren't living as long as we would expect them to. Um, they're... I'm not sure if you know what horseshoe crabs look like. I guess just imagine a big. Um, oh, no, no, I, I, I do. I remember I found one at the beach on New Year's Eve. Like, oh, that's really cool. Like five years ago. And I remember looking at it and I thought I found, I discovered an animal because it looks so alien to me. <laughs> yeah. I, was yeah. Like, I thought I was about to become rich off of this discovery. Well, I mean, you very well could have. Uh, they're, they're very valuable animals. Um, they are really strange animals. You know, horseshoe crab. The name itself is kind of a misnomer. They're more related to spiders than anything. Wow. They're chelicerates, yeah. Um, so at the Shark Reef, they were um, getting these sort of uh, cracks in their shells, right? And you've heard of molting, how like some insects and crabs, they get rid of their old exoskeleton to later grow a new one. Yeah. At the Shark Reef, they weren't doing that. So with these cuts in their shell, it, it's something comparable to like let's say you cut your finger open with a with scissors or something and just like it never healing it just stays cut open the whole time and so they were getting infected with a lot of bacteria and so the component of my research was figuring out what bacteria are living on these animals and maybe you know discerning whether it's directly correlated to their longevity and maybe why they don't molt so that was what I did. And were you able to come to some conclusion? Um, we were able to discover two pathogenic bacteria. It was Vibrio parahemolyticus, which is oddly enough something that is found primarily near the Sea of Japan, and Shiwanella algae, which is just an average like foodborne pathogen. It's mostly known for like you find it in sushi that's undercooked, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. so you know that that discovery kind of brought up a whole new um set of questions regarding 
you know, Vegas is obviously like a global hotspot. People come here from all over the world to do whatever, especially to this aquarium in particular. So it became more a question of how does the transfer of bacteria occur? You know, you could very well imagine people all over the world coming to this one touch tank and exchanging bacteria with them. You know, who knows what they're bringing into there? So that was something else that we were interested in. I don't know if it's going yet. Um, we have published a paper now that tracks um, their, their microbiome, meaning what bacteria live on them, from, cap from um, being wild caught to captivity. And it does show quite a shift. I guess the question now is how does that transfer bacteria occur? Which bacteria are transferred, stuff like that? That's super interesting. And that's, I mean, it's, to me, what it sounds like is obviously that with all the tour, all the tourism, that it has to be people just transferring it to the horseshoe crab. That Oh, yeah, surely. Yeah, that definitely. That's a big component of it. Um, what I tell people, the big takeaway from what I did is um, near most touch, I'm, I'm pretty adamant that near most touch tanks, they will either have, um, you know, hand sanitizer or a bathroom nearby to wash your hands. Mm -hmm. Wash your hands before and after interacting with the animals. It's it's good for everyone involved, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much the shark reef wants you to like say this, but the fact is, we did find like human pathogens on these animals, and if you're not washing your hands after touching them, that could be really bad for you. So really, it's in everyone's best interest. Just you know, wash your hands, clean your hands, do whatever you like, and then wash your hands afterwards. That's that's the best way you can avoid all this mess that we've kind of started to uncover. It's a really good uh, piece of advice. And uh, Fabian, so tell me about you, man. Do you have any like future plans, like expeditions? Like, do you want to, like, what's something that you really want to go out and study yourself? Like your dream, dream study? So I suppose when um, I was younger, I always liked the, the better known animals, you know, whales, dolphins, sharks, that sort of thing. Uh, this is a very competitive field, unfortunately. Um, you really have to have a lot of affluence to get to that point very directly. And so working with the horseshoe crabs, um, I, you know, it's not even me so much feeling like I'm, I'm settling. I genuinely very much like the idea of specializing in these animals. They are really fascinating if they don't seem like it initially. They're, they're known colloquially as living fossils meaning that, you know, fossils from 200 million years ago in the Mesozoic look almost damn near identical to the ones you'll find today. You know, like you said, they, they look like aliens. They look like some ancient thing that shouldn't be alive. And yeah, it, that's absolutely like spot on what it means. Some people, this, you know, express some sort of like otherworldliness when looking to them, like, oh, this, this thing shouldn't be here. Like, I'm, I'm looking at something that <laughs> isn't from my time, right? And yeah, no, um, so my, my plans right now is to go to graduate school, get my master's degree. Awesome. From there, I like the idea of getting a PhD, but you know, that's, that's more of a commitment, but I definitely want to work toward my master's. That's something that um, this coming fall semester, I will be, you know, applying really hard, trying to get any opportunity I can, uh, you know, securing that funding, securing a good position, um yeah i like the idea of horseshoe crabs in general however um conservation is what i'm interested in i you know i like the idea of discovering new things and all that however i also really enjoy the idea of it having an ulterior purpose right and so with this work with the horseshoe crabs it was a lot about you know the welfare of the animals in captivity like you know discerning what what is the problem with keeping them alive for a long time and making sure that, you know, we're not just cycling through a lot of animals because we're not sure why they're passing away so quickly. Yeah. So um, multiple topics in conservation that I'm sure that I, even I'm not aware of would heavily interest me. And um, yeah, at, you know, this year is just gonna be a matter of, you know, really diving in and uh, seeing if anybody's interested in taking me on to do something. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna happen because I'll tell you something. When I was a kid, I was actually super interested in marine biology. That's what I said I was going to be. I was going to be a marine biologist. And um, I used to go 
I mean, I, to me, I still am obsessed with sharks, great whites, particularly mm-hmm. Megalodon. I have an obsession with Megalodon. It's, a, it's an unhealthy obsession. I <laughs> tell everybody that there's a chance that you can't say that it's 100% gone, but um, it's it's one of those things. When I was a kid growing up, I would go to the, I would go to the beach and I would try to find the coolest shells. I'll try to find shark teeth if I can. Um, yeah, I did find one shark tooth in the beach one time and it was this guy i believe it's a tiger shark tooth but i could be wrong but i i found this guy in uh what was this i believe in key west okay found this guy that's very cool that's that's really awesome it was completely intact it was like there's really rarely any there's one chip i like the bottom part of it but my prized possession, like I said, obsessed with Megalodon, I went ahead and... That is amazing. That's super cool. Yeah. I got myself one of these. It's like one tooth is as long as my index finger. It's just... Yeah, no, it's insane. It's terrifying to think that how, how long is, yeah. Now, let me ask you a question regarding Megalodon, because I know you said earlier you were really interested in sharks, and eventually you want to get there. So... People say the typically it was like what one to five million years ago they went extinct, right? It's a pretty mm-hmm. couple million year gap. And I was talking about this on my first episode with my friends. I love my friends, but they're idiots on any topic, so we were just kind of <laughs> back and forth. It's all and, right. Um, um, I've I've done a lot of research on the, on the topic of megalodon, and there has been recent findings. There's been some videos too of like. There was this one video in Brazil, yes. 2012. There is a, a um, if you want to look at, up, look at this up later so you could kind of see it was. Yeah, I definitely will. It was a helicopter rappelling down in the middle of the ocean. There's a dude that was stranded floating. So the video was from the helicopter. They're going down to pick up this dude from like a lot, like the drop down ladder that they dropped. And uh-huh. you could see a like 70 foot shadow swim under them. And the way it looked, it was the body was in this shape. So whales are typically like just straight up cylindrical, yeah. right? But this had a very clear head and it came down to the to the dorsal, not the dorsal, the tail fin. And it really came down like that. Okay. It was really interesting. Everybody says it moved like a shark. And it, 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 to me, it looks like it moved like a shark. I'm obviously very biased. I'm holding out any hope that it still might be out there. But yeah. what, what, are, what are your opinions on the possibility of it maybe still being hiding in, in cold water, maybe through years of evolution? Because it, it was a hot water animal, a warm water animal, for it to move over to like evolve into being able to survive in the cold water and keep it. So, you know, one thing I like to preface, um, you know, with explaining things is that we're, we're limited to what we know at the moment, right? And that, that goes for any scientist, no matter with how much, you know, uh, you know, how much experience they have, we are limited to our time period, right? My, my favorite book is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And I don't know how, how much you know it, but the beginning is that there's this big thing in the ocean. It's Captain Evil submarine, but they don't know that. And it's going around sinking ships, right? And so we're, they're wondering, like, what, what is this thing? We don't know. And the scientists, you know, this takes place in the late 1800s. They're like, you know, well, we've discovered every single animal. So it's not a sea monster because we've already, we, are, we wouldn't know what it is. We already discovered everything. And, you know, that, that's always really amusing to me because even last year, we discovered at least five new species of shark. So we don't know nearly everything. There are, you know, estimated, as of now, um, we have identified, um, Two million species of animals. There are projected around 10 million species of animals out there. So we're not really close by any means of the word. Um, You're making me very hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I always say, you know, in terms of like ghost stories and things like that, I don't know if I ascribe to like very specific um, interpretations of it. I do want to always say, however, there are just some things we don't know, we won't understand within our lifetimes. In terms of megalodons, I'm going to, you know, uh, deviate a little bit 
and mentioned uh, another fish. Have you heard of a coelacanth? Coelacanth. I will hear about it right now. How do you spell that? C O E L C A C A N. Oh, I see it. I see it. Mm -hmm. That is a wild looking fish. Yeah. So this that is also. This, right? Uh huh. That's right. So that is also something we like to call a living fossil, something we thought was extinct, I think, 10 million years ago, if I'm not mistaken. And it's cool because it's, it's related to the fish that eventually evolved to become every single like land vertebrate that exists now. If so you look at its fins, they're not just like rays. Yeah. They have like an arm to them almost. So they're like the really ancestral um, descendant of what became vertebrate. But anyway, um, they discovered, they thought it was extinct up until like the 1940s right they thought oh, okay we found fossils of it but it's definitely fucked this is like from the mesozoic there's no way and then one time the fish went up you know this this um ichthyologist is just walking around an african fishing village and he sees this thing and he's just like wait is that what i think it is and yeah sure enough it's a it's a coelacanth this thing we thought was dead for millions of years um it's a pretty sizable thing i think it's about like uh a little more than a meter long it's oh. it's definitely not and an insignificant thing. Um, so, you know, with that discovery, the thing wasn't so much of like, oh my God, these guys fished up the last remaining coelacanth in the world, right? Their thoughts was there's a population of them somewhere. That's the trick there. There has to be a population. It's, I, you know, again, I'm a buffoon in the 21st century. What do I know? But, you know, based on everything we know, when it comes to these sort of really cryptic animals, there has to be a population behind them. Um, and yeah, sure enough, we found a coelacanth population living off the coast of Africa. And even last year, they found a completely new population of coelacanths we weren't aware of before. So, you know, you say you know a lot about megalodons. Megalodons at their peak were thought to mainly feed on whales and very large animals like that, right? That is the reason that is one proposed theory of like why whales are so gigantic, just for the sake of being inconvenient to eat to predators. Mm -hmm. So with that said, we would, I, I, it'd be difficult for me to believe that we're not seeing something out there that's eating whales, right? You know, there's a, plenty of um, nonprofits and even the uh, National Institute of Marine Mammals in Oregon they track whales very, very deliberately. They give them cute little names to show them on social media. They track each one because they're a species of interest. It, to me, it would seem very difficult to kind of miss there's something out there feeding on whales constantly and not it being extremely obvious, right? Okay. So there have been some whales that wash up bitten in half. That has, that has been recorded in South Africa and um, even in Florida, on the, on the east coast of Florida, a couple of years ago, whale showed up, just, just the tail of the whale showed up. So it's like, it's interesting to see, because I know when a tail, uh, tail when a uh, whale does die, great whites feast. They go uh -huh. and they, I've seen the videos and it's terrifying the way they, they keep chomping on, on the whale and it's. I mean, I, I would kill to see that one day close and personal, but it's, yeah, totally. it's terrifying. And so my, my, whole, my whole thing is, yes, very, very true that we would probably see a lot more whales wash up. And it, it, something that big is probably hard to see. But the ocean is also immen immensely huge. Like we, we know more about the surface of Mars than we know about our own ocean. Yeah, that's so, correct. So my thing is, we thought that the Kraken was a myth. We thought that giant squid were a myth, and uh, nobody believed in it. And then we discovered it in 2005. So kind of recent in the grand scheme of things to discover such an enormous animal and, uh -huh. and that we once thought was a myth. So my, 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 my whole thing is that animals evolve too, like, like we do. We came from some uh, a version of that coelacanth, correct? We came yeah. from something like that. So my point is, if we could evolve like that, what's to say that a megalodon, knowing that its primary source of food is is diminishing, 
and that the the climate is changing why wouldn't they be able to evolve to maybe go down real deep and maybe that's just where they live because that that to me is personally what what i hold the most hope for that there's this really yeah. deep we can't see him there's just stuff out down there that we just we don't know and and you're right um in terms of like the deep sea gigantism that is uh somewhat controversial but like well-recorded sort of phenomenon where like you know roly polies isopods yeah. mm -hmm. they're like one foot long ones for in the visopelagic there it's it's pretty insane to think um you know, in terms of like physiology and what, you know, uh, elasmobranch like a megalozoan would be capable of, I'm, I'm not sure how deep they're able to physically go because a lot of those very deep sea fish have very, very particular adapta adaptations to surviving. Yeah. They're not generalists at all. I mean, what if he's going um, to became bioluminescent? Like that, that'd be quite the thing to, to see. That'd be quite a jump, uh, for okay. sure. That'd be um, I will concede that, you know, animals like Greenland sharks have like a, a longevity estimated to be something more like 200 years or higher. Yeah, they, um, they said it was the one that was like 400 years now. The one that they found. Oh, yeah. just exploded. How do they, how do they measure that? How do they, how does somebody go ahead and say, yeah, that guy's 400 years old? In terms of, I know with, I don't know if it applies for sharks. I know for fish, um, you know how like they have their gills and they have like something that goes like that. That's yeah. called it, or they have a, a perculum bone. It's called right there. They have rings that you can kind of measure like trees, mm -hmm. but we're talking about like bony fish, not cartilaginous fish. So, and perhaps something similar to that. That's that's something you. Um, that's something I'm not sure about, to be perfectly honest. Um, I I don't think they throw out an arbitrary number like that if i had to guess but i guess i suppose that's that's a point of skepticism too no i, I mean I, when i heard that i thought it was a little ridiculous that there is a 400 i mean we don't even hear about turtles living that long and there's a, yeah yeah totally there's a shark going just going like that but well, what do you think okay let's say let's say it is let's say it's dead right they said it was dead between one to five million years ago that they're the same way you're explaining that they they date uh, fish i'm gonna assume they date sharks and fossils the same way like if you find a shark tooth like i'm sure you can there's something there that you can measure for for how long it's been dead yeah yeah so they said it was one to five million years ago last year off the coast of i believe south africa because all all the crazy stuff happened in south africa they they found a megalodon tooth a couple megalodon teeth that they said was dated under 10,000 years ago. Really? Yeah. So when that kind of came out, that really made me think like, okay, if this animal was around 10,000 years ago, who's the, there's not many animals that are around 10,000 years ago that aren't still around. Like, yeah, correct. we're talking in a grand scheme of things, 10,000 years is not that, not that long. That was the Pleistocene. Yeah. There were still, yeah, of course, the, the populations that remained back then were very comparable to what we have now. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just me saying if this guy was swimming around 10,000 years ago, he could still be around. That's just my thing. I hope. I hope. I'm a, yeah, no, yeah. and, you know, I'll always say that, like I said, we're, we're very much limited to what we know now. I, you know, it's it's really obvious for me to say, well, you know, we, we should have seen it by now, but there there's plenty of, you know, in terms of the giant squid, um, you were somewhat right. We, we've known giant squids were a thing for a couple hundred years. 2005 was the first time we saw one alive. Okay. Because when sperm whales wash up on shore, they open their stomachs and they primarily feed on giant squid. So we've okay. kind of always known they've been a thing. We've just, that was the first time we've seen one alive. And, you know, that, that still matters, however, you know. That's what matters to us, seeing what's your ecology, what's their, what's their niche in this environment. And so, you know, I, I, even if I wanted to rain on someone's parade completely, I couldn't do it and not earnestly because it's like I said, we're, we're much limited. There are certainly things we don't know yet. You know, there's things that we won't know within our lifetimes, maybe within the spans of human existence, we won't ever know it. So, 
you know, I'm I'm never gonna say it's impossible. I'm just gonna say that there is, you know, as far as I was aware until now, uh, I, I'm really curious to dig into the things you're mentioning. Um, the evidence suggests that there are, there is no um, large apex predator that likely feeds on, you know, large cetaceans like whales. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope one day, one day maybe, maybe I'm, I'm right, maybe, maybe I'm not. But there is something that's a pretty popular topic right now, especially in the science community, which is very controversial as well, which is um, de extinction. Have you heard a little bit of that about yeah, that? Absolutely. Uh-huh. So that people are for it, people are against it. Um, personally, I'm kind of caught in the middle because hey, if we could bring back a megalodon, I would love that because that's just my favorite animal of all time. That T Rex are my two favorite animals ever. But mm-hmm. I do see the damage it, it, if it's still not around it, to introduce this animal back into the wild. I could see the potential harm in the ecosystem and just the balance of things that it could it, it could ruin. So. To me, I'm I'm caught in the middle of what I want. So, what, yeah. what's 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 your opinion on the extinction? For me, it would be a very case by case basis. Um, I don't know if you've mentioned it before. The extinction is the idea of you know trying to replicate a formerly extinct species back into like contemporary times. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a very case by case basis for me. So. Like we were mentioning, 10,000 years ago was the Pleistocene. It was what we call the Ice Age. What, you know, humans were stomping around back then. Here in North America, primarily where, you know, we are kind of the West Coast interior sort of place. Um, we had saber-toothed tigers. We had woolly mammoths. We had giant ground sloths, all these kinds of really large uh, mammals. Um, there was a paper that came out kind of, stating that, like, let's just say here in Nevada, particularly, there is a lack of, you know, large, you know, carnivore, in addition to a very large herbivore. So they're alluding to saber-toothed tiger, and they're alluding to woolly mammoth, right? There, there's some sort of ecological balance maintained between the two that keeps it stable. The first thing I suppose you got to consider in that case, particularly, is that it is a very much, it's a very different climate now than what it was back then. You know, it was icy back then. And so, you know, let's, let's say we're not going to necessarily bring them back, but like their, their role in the ecosystem can be replicated. What would that entail? That would entail bringing like African lions into Nevada and just setting them free. Could they be successful? Maybe. There's it's not unlikely necessarily the question more becomes do people want that do people want african lions stomping around in nevada and vegas and all these places probably not i feel in terms of bringing back a megalodon into a natural ecosystem it will become largely a public thing where people are gonna maybe rightfully ask do we really want a large apex predator back into the ocean and you know if we want to get into the topic of how possible it is maybe you know the 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 um, manner of which this would happen isn't so much the idea of like oh we find a fossil and we do dna extraction and try to you know that's likely not going to happen even with woolly mammoths where you know we've seen like really well preserved carcasses with skin and hair and all that it's likely not going to happen that way what would happen it had to be through like artificial selection meaning like how we breed dogs you know like let's say we want a dog that is a good herder so you breed a dog population until you get you know the traits you want that's probably what you'd have to do you'd have to somehow figure out how to breed a great white shark to be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until you get the size you like is it possible you know with our current technology it's it's downright impossible to have a shark in captivity. But um, I guess your question was more like, should we? And I guess what I'll say is that the ecosystem right now is still a fairly different one that was there 10,000 years ago and beyond. We have, we have a um, balance, is what you're trying to say. Right now we're- In a way, yes. Obviously we've really messed things up and that's why I'm gonna have a career likely because we've messed things up so badly. But um, could, could the ecosystem, in, a, in essence, 
we're a sort of like really destructive apex predator if you really think about it we're out there killing whales not not so much anymore and i was earlier largely at 1800s problem but they the population suffered for it right you know some you know northern white whales in the uh atlantic ocean might not recover they might go extinct within our lifetimes yeah um so could could they handle a megalodon being out there you know preying on them too yeah in terms of other animals that are i guess more benign like a pinta island tortoise i don't think anyone's gonna have a huge problem with that you know it's a different species of tortoise it lives in one place it, it'd be cool to have them back stuff like um I mean, I don't know what else. They're, those are the, the one that um, was emphasized to me in particular was like woolly mammoth, stuff yeah. like that. I don't um, see how woolly mammoth would survive nowadays. Like, I don't know. I just don't see it fitting with us. With like, like whale, oh, no, elephants have their place. We're introducing something four times bigger than an elephant. Like what, what's it going to do? Where is it going to live? Like, so interesting you bring that up. There is a... Uh... I forgot who was running it, but in Siberia, there's this guy opening a nature reserve who he re- that is referred to as Pleistocene Park, you know, kind of playing off like Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Its plan is to bring a lot of large mammals there to sort of like um, create a landscape where we're approaching sort of like Pleistocene megafauna more and more as, as it's maintained. And there's a sort of plan to bring elephants there to try to like approach getting a woolly mammoth again. That would be crazy. Um, so I guess in a place like that or Siberia where it's still like decently cold yeah. is a place where it's definitely not gonna be their former range. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's that's never gonna happen with, with um, how much it's changed since then, but you know, there are people potentially making the attempt of it, and I think that's really interesting. I don't wow. know how successful it'll be, but I mean, I'm I'm selfish. I want to see things that you know <laughs> that aren't um, normal. So I would love to see Megalodon. I would love to see a woolly mammoth. I would love to see um, oh, I'd love to see a saber tooth tiger. Also, like those things are cool. Or this is gonna sound a little psychotic, but I would love to see a titanoboa. Those things to me are so so cool, and how just how large they used to be that's also in terms because we we used to be a lot more oxygen rich back in that time so more oxygen bigger animals bigger just everything trees are bigger everything was bigger just because we have such a huge amount of oxygen that we just don't have at this moment which is why everything's smaller the the biggest um, debate for the extinction that i see is animals that we have made extinct Yes. So if we've killed off a, a, for us deforestating or just straight up murdering this animal to death to, to eat it, that bring that animal back, introduce it back into society, into, into um, the nature, that can potentially ha- do some good. So I'm all for that. Do that as much as you can. But in terms of like the bigger, cooler animals, I don't know. Like I said, <laughs> I'm very selfish. I would love to. I would love them back, especially. If you're asking me personally, I I completely agree with your your um notion. I there there are many animals that I would really enjoy seeing. I'd love seeing um those really weird like Cambrian animals, like from you know you, if you ever heard about the Cambrian explosion, like when all the groups of animals came out of like really short period of time. You have these really weird looking like five eyed like. A lobster-looking things that just kind of went yeah. extinct. We'll, we'll never see them again. But you know, seeing things like that would be really amazing. And those giant um, shells, yeah. right? Like the giant sea snails, but that have like cephalopod tentacles at the same time. They're just the nautiluses. Yeah. yeah, we have a chain of nautilus still extinct, but they're not nearly as um, large or um, diverse as they were in the Triassic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I gotta inevitably look at through a perspective of like being an academics. Mm-hmm. It would be an extremely controversial thing to just like say, I let's bring back like one megalodon and we're just gonna leave it in a tank for people to look at it. Yeah, that's a very uh, controversial proposition, right? If we had the means, it's more like should we? It'll become more of a um 
that'd be moral. It'd be more of a moral thing. Yeah, exactly. There, you would not believe how many moral things um, are in these sort of academics. Like, uh, I'm gonna, you know, go on a little tangent, maybe, but I think it's somewhat interesting. So, for a horseshoe crab experiment, um, you know, I kind of mentioned how we were looking at the transfer of bacteria uh, between people and horseshoe crabs. My first um, proposal was to like literally have you know, just kind of sit there near the tank and ask people like, hey, do you mind if I swab your finger really quick to see what, like, what's, you know, swab your finger to see what bacteria is living on it? And then I'd have them touch the horseshoe crab, do whatever they like. And then I'd be like, oh, do you mind if I do it again and see like what they take out of it? Take, you know, like to see well, what are the people putting on the horseshoe crab and what's the horseshoe crab putting on the people? Right. right. It's an interesting thing. There is an enormous amount of red tape associated with that. Okay. Um, because you're including people into this experiment. So a lot of questions come up. Are these people going to be stressed? Are you putting these people in danger? Are these people consenting to this? Is there any legal ramifications of this? And you know how, like, how simply I explained it is literally what we're doing. And yeah. I even, you know, to like push it through, said like, let's do it with employees who work at the Shark Reef because you know, they, they have to be accustomed to the horseshoe crab. No one's going to be afraid of it, I'd like to think. But we, we didn't get going because as soon as you include people into it, then it becomes a huge problem. And yeah. even something so benign and simple and easy, it, it's a huge mess. You know, they don't care what you do with vertebrates alone. You know, of course, it's like whatever. You, you don't really need permission from anybody except the, you know, people from who work at the Shark Reef. But um. You know, with that said, with something so simple, in terms of like resurrecting a whole new species, I, I can't even imagine one kind of mess that would be. Um, so it would definitely have to be like a some billionaire in some different country that wants to start a Jurassic Park like thing. And yeah, would, exactly. To do it. Someone who is like above the law in mm-hmm. some sort of sense, right? Like uh, a researcher in China, um, a geneticist, this was like 2019, I believe. Um, she was screening a woman who was pregnant and the baby uh, was gonna have some sort of like terminal disease, right? Like when she was born, she, was gonna, she wasn't gonna last very long. Mm-hmm. The geneticist, you know, circumvented any scientific, you know, paper, he, didn't associate with anybody. He didn't, I, I don't know if he asked the parents, he might've, but basically he just kind of did his own thing. He genetically modified that baby to like alter the gene that would have caused that terminal disease. So he essentially saved her life from like non-existence. And yeah, the baby, as far as we know, was born completely fine. She is good to go. This doctor saved her life or scientist saved her life. Wow. He is under severe scrutiny. He he got imprisoned and it started up a big discourse about like, should he have done this? You know, we have regulations in place for a reason. You know, besides all these like, you know, sci-fi, like really extravagant movies about like genetically altered humans, that's what this baby is now. She is a genetically altered human that can reproduce now. That is absolutely insane. I've never heard of that story before. Yeah, so, you know, there will be an uproar about it if someone tries to just circumvent like well i'm doing it anyway because i can um they might be imprisoned is that worth it you know just to say i brought back to william Mammoth, maybe for some people it's worth that risk i don't know if i'm that person but doesn't have to be you or me but hopefully somebody does it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i'll be there at the grand opening of whatever park that ends up being no i i i completely again it's such a such a touchy subject the extinction whether it's a good idea bad idea i'm sure it has its place to debate whether it's good or bad mm-hmm. but i want to ask you if you do know about this one thing so you know how nasa was originally supposed to was created to discover more about the ocean correct you know about that uh, i have heard that i believe yeah so there's this weird theory floating around especially reddit Reddit's a really dangerous place to be because <laughs> they tell you anything. But I, I did look into it a little bit more. But 
there's a theory going around that whatever, because NASA went from searching the bottom of the ocean to now we're looking space, we're looking to move to Mars, we're looking to get out of Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the joke or theory going around, I personally, my opinion is that it's just one of those like funny things to think about. But it's like, what's so, what's so scary that they found at the bottom of the ocean? That instead of continuing to search the ocean, they're like, you know what? Let's, we need off this planet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I like telling that to people, too. To me, it's just a you know, funny little meme. It's, yeah. it's true. Um, I, you know, it's, it, it brings up another point. You know, we always champion the, the moon landing as like this big step in humanity. And yeah, it, it absolutely was. It's, it's incredible, you know, given the limitations they had back then that they accomplished something like that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that only, you know, within the 2010s, um, we had the first single manned mission to the bottom of the ocean compared to reaching the moon. Was that James and, Cameron? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that not only was it seemingly more difficult to do, because of the you know large time span between the two, but that it didn't receive as much notoriety yeah. of like you know we always refer to the moon landing, but then you can't like every you know you pick off anyone off the street they can tell you about the moon landing somewhat even the biggest details. You, I'm be hard pressed to believe that many people re- really know that that even happened. Um, I think it's just because. You know, maybe it's my bias here. I'm going to kind of go off. I think people just arbitrarily think space is cooler and they get more funding because of it. That's if I had it. to really guess, yeah. And it's the sex factor, I'm, sexier. That's what You know, is. I never understood that. We have, you know, in the ocean, we have really weird animals. We have extremely diverse ecosystems. You know, space to me, you know, I'm not going to hate on anybody. You know, that, that's not my purpose here. You know, space is objectively mostly empty space it's a void it's a vacuum i don't want to you know take away from their findings but i i feel the ocean doesn't get as much funding or attention as it maybe deserves right i completely agree if it was up to me and i had and i decided what nasa did i would let space be up to the independent contractors let spacex do it let blue origin do it let let them they're they have more money they get more money than nasa and i understand that spacex has a a contract with nasa but i i honestly i wish i wish or maybe you know what leave nasa doing what they're doing they're already doing space they've been doing space since the seven since the 50s really um let's let them do their thing and let's open up another branch of the government that has to do with discovering the ocean floors i've heard about called the noaa (laughs) the national oceanic and uh atmosphere administration and how, what kind of funding do they get? Paltry funding compared to that. Very, like, I think during um, the last administration, they had their funding halved outright, something that's, like that. That's like, that's insane to me. Personally, if I was ever like one of these billionaires, that, that's what I would do. I would go ahead and start creating. Did you ever see the movie Underwater? It's fairly recent. Uh, I don't believe so, no. It, I would watch it. It came out, it's with, um, if you like those type of movies, it, it came out with, um, Kristen Stewart from Twilight, believe it or not, she was really good in it. She was, oh yeah? yeah, yeah. She was. It was definitely not like a Twilight movie. It was about <laughs> them having an oil rig because firmly, I believe that if you take from the ocean, the ocean hits you back. That's why whenever like you see people build like and and take sand out of the beaches to build on it. There's always like a tidal wave, a tsunami, something happens. Like to me, I, I believe in, in, in an order of things. I very so, much like the idea of that too, yeah. So I, I like to believe Mother Nature is out there like putting us in check that like we can't be taking too much. But the whole point of this movie is that we, we dug too deep. We went too deep. It was in the Marianas Trench that they put an oil rig to go all the way down to the bottom. And they're in the bottom there. And I don't know where they got the money, but essentially it's a horror movie so at the end of the thing they're in the bottom they have like these huge like space suits to walk on the on the ocean floor and they can only walk for like five minutes because the pressure is too crazy and they run into this like cthulhu looking oh that's cool monster okay. at the bottom. it's a really 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 cool movie i would watch it yeah really, I, might, I might definitely pick it up honestly it's a, yeah. it's a super easy watch but it's 
that that to me is kind of cool the maybe not the oil drilling but why don't we develop more money into underwater um expeditions underwater like crafts like we have like uh richard branson went to space today and he had such a cool looking craft why don't we put that same amount of money into developing new versions of submarines that can go that deep because i promise you if we if we put all of our time and effort or at least an entire company give them the appropriate funding and give give them a whole year i'm sure they'll figure out how to get under that deep yeah i'm sure that's not it's probably not we definitely have the technology to go underwater like that that far down you know this will come off me as you know ranting personally because you know honestly yes this has personally affected me it's that in this country um we used to be like a center of scientific innovation innovation and you know we had some of the highest education and now simply it's just not as favored that's not me being a boomer it's just kind of it's reflected in the amount of funding that scientific programs get and it's a very like love-hate relationship with nasa because when people think scientific funding they don't think anything other than nasa there's obviously other things but you know let's think if nasa isn't doing cool stuff and getting a lot of funding then you know by default everything else suffers too and so they're kind of just like our representative to the um to the normal populace of people whether to do that i you know i i am somewhat disappointed that you know we we don't favor you know exploration of our ocean where we don't favor uh you know amidst all this i will say however um my my mentor with, who helped me with my horseshoe crab research dr sean nice he argues that the united states has some of the best conservation policy in the world and i don't disagree so far we actually have a lot of pretty good programs a lot of really constrictive laws that will kind of put their foot down in terms of like environmental degradation but you know sometimes it's not enough sometimes unfortunately you know special interest groups do kind of win over so it becomes a sort of like false dichotomy where you know you either like economic development at the cost of like scientific research and conservation or you like this one but you don't like that one yeah and i think that's a very it's a false dichotomy and i i don't like it and i don't think i think there there needs to be you know more of a discussion about what's valuable to people rather than just like shit flinging essentially and um yeah i i you know trying to get funding and trying to find programs and stuff like that it's been rough i mean especially last year it was damn near impossible to really do anything my everything i was doing just kind of got paralyzed straight up yeah and burn apply all over again you know and that, that was everybody i'm not trying to pretend i suffered something nobody didn't but um yeah you know everyone tells you that if you're really serious about going into marine biology it's like don't expect to make much don't you know that's your um, passion yeah like um i was at work the other day and i'm in a facebook group that um it's about conservation jobs and we kind of just share different opportunities to each other just to see if anyone wants to get it there was this job in um idaho i think it was about tracking migrating birds right um it's a seasonal job which a lot of these type of wildlife shops are which means once the migration is done you're kind of out of a job for the time being and i think it was like a 1400 dollar a month salary wow and there were people there who were like seriously saying oh man i'm going to quit my job and move over there and try to do this which seems kind of crazy to a lot of us right because like wow that's not very much for wanting a they want a degree they want experience and that's what they're paying you and that's kind of the reality of the matter is that there isn't any incentive to really encourage people to do this it's kind of like okay you can do it but you know it's your funeral like good luck yeah. with dealing with it um so yeah it's i i don't know how that changes i i think it's just a matter of um making it seem interesting or important to people i believe it's all about branding realistically how you brand yourself so i i i know i know marine biology is a 
competitive fields for the people that make money, like a lot of money, because either you, the regular salary for marine biology, I know isn't like crazy, but the people who know how to brand themselves, like they, there's people who make money in, in marine biology, like making it, teaching about it or like doing stuff with it, like your knowledge, like sharing that on, on different platforms. I'm sure that that'll, that'll warrant a, a bunch more opportunities than, yeah. than what you're talking about which is awesome because personally I think we need more people like that. We should, I think we should be putting a lot more money towards that versus like other things. Um, I, I definitely wish the best for every marine biologist because I think it's the coolest, it's the coolest uh, field of study to me over space, yeah, over, thanks. over anything. That. Marine biology is, is awesome. I, I, when I was a kid, I was into it so much. I just have a, I have two fears in the world and both fears have to do with animals. Number one being the ocean. I'm, I love the ocean. I will, I will go on a boat. I will go on cruises. I will not get in the water in deep water. I just can't. Just the, the thought of not knowing what's around me. It's so terrifying to me. And number two spiders. And uh, I just, yeah, I can't deal with, any, with either of them. But, have you seen um, how horses grab um baits up like all the like, i have yeah 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 believe it or not crabs horseshoe crabs crustaceans all those stuff um don't freak me out i'll I'll, I'll, I'll hold the crab but a spider that big my girlfriend has to kill it for me or else i'll, I'll oh, freak out. <laughs> I, can't. I can't you know now that you that you admit that to me, I'll, I'll admit something too. Um, last year, you know, I, I kind of said I was kind of sitting on my hands, not doing much. So I figured, okay, I'll get scuba certified because that's something I can do here. Um, basically what it composes of is they teach you how to do things, which, you know, makes sense. And then the, they, they spend two whole days basically telling you like how to deal with the absolute worst case scenarios. No, no, see that, right? yeah. So they're like, okay, we're going to rip off your tube now and you have to like breathe out of the bubbles coming out of your like ripped open oxygen tank. We're going to take your mask out and you have to like fill it up with air again. Or like, oh, you just have to go from the bottom to like the surface just without breathing anything because in case that happens. So they just teach you to do like the absolute like shittiest things you can ha that can happen to you, right? It's... I don't recall a period where it's like, okay, just swim around and enjoy yourself and get a feel for it. It was like, okay, now do this really horrible thing. Okay, now do this really horrible thing. Yeah. And um, that was in a pool, by the way. That was in a pool. It's like 15 feet deep, but, you know. And the, like, final task, so to speak, is you go to, like, an actual open water, like, ecosystem. So we went to Lake Mojave in Arizona. Um, it's really murky right you can't see like four feet in front of you i just they, got anxiety you have no idea <laughs> <laughs> they they have a rope right it's like a yeah. buoy that floats at the top but it's weighted so like you can climb up and down the rope i got in almost to the bottom with a 15 feet deep to the seabed and it was really cool because you could see like fish swimming around and all this it was a really nice feeling it's the first time i felt like oh man i'm like here but i thought i guess i just got in my own head for a little bit and I'm like, I can't see four feet in front of me. If something goes wrong, I, I can't do much. And there's like water kind of seeping into my mask. I was like, no, I can't do it. God damn it. I'm screwed. So yeah, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't even finish the first task because I was like, oh my God, I'm like so out of my element. And I can't, yeah. you know, like I said, the ocean is like my defining personality trait to me. I think it's what people know me for. Yeah, I see your background. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. Really? And I can't stayed down there 15 feet because yeah. holy hell it's actually pretty you know daunting to do something like that to it's me terrifying. no it's terrifying i i, I can't I, I personally will never go scuba diving uh, i've been asked a million times to go my girlfriend's giving me a face right now because she wants to go scuba diving but i went snorkeling one time like mm -hmm. honestly not even snorkeling like just i went to we have a um uh, a jetty here in near where i live and we went there for with a couple friends and we're just chilling and i'm, I'm water's like maybe not even like, like right here and we're just kind of just all there and i feel a pinch and i know it was a crab but i feel a pinch and i start freaking out because i can't see it like i know it's a crab but it's if i could see the crab and i see it i, I would let a crab pinch me like i would I put my hand out there like here come pinch me 
and I wouldn't freak out. But if I can't see it, it's in my head. I start thinking, this isn't a crab. This is a shark, even though it's a little pinch. Like, it's a stingray. It's a cone snail. I'm going to die. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's something that terrifies me. All those little things that could just kill you for no reason. Uh-huh. Like the, the cone snail to me is such an irrational fear. My girlfriend's Brazilian. I will never go to Brazil because of that cone shark that that because it's native it's it, it's it's brazilian it's like uh or at least it can be found in brazil i'm not sure it could be found in florida i don't think it's it, it's in florida but it's the for those who don't know and my girlfriend's sitting right here wants to know too it's a shell that looks like a cone like any regular shell it's got a hole inside and if you put your thumb over that hole like and a needle will stick out and inject you and most people don't know what that is, so they won't really react. But what is it? Like you have to be you have to be in a hospital within 30 minutes or you'll die. Yeah, something like that. You have 30 minutes to, to get help. And you also have to 30 minutes to be able to tell the doctors the right thing. If you tell the doctor, I got stung, but I don't know what. You're gonna be like, no, a shell poked me. I'm gonna die. So those things. Also, like box jellyfish gave me an irrational fear. You can't see it. I mean, that's a very realistic fear, though. I think if not a box jellyfish, there's something. It has like the most amount of human deaths out of like a man of war. That's a man of war. Okay. A man of Got war. It. Yeah, that, that thing is is absolutely terrifying. It's another reason Australia is somewhere I will never swim. Uh, <laughs> it's Australia. You know, I, was, I was offered a graduate um position in Australia. That was not offered, but I found an opportunity. But I, I thought about it. I, I like the idea. I didn't get accepted, but I, I would have done it. Oh, it's not like fun. Study, hundred percent. To study, that's that's like the best place to go. You'll find all the crazy yeah. over there. But as a tourist, to go swim in those oceans, I got to deal with man of wars, box jellyfish. I'm sure there's some other type of shell that can kill me there also. Uh, spiders bigger than my car. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's this huge, there's a super famous picture of a giant lobster or giant crustacean hanging off the side of somebody's trash can in, in Australia. That's terrifying. And there, and obviously Australia is like a hotspot for great whites. Mm-hmm. Australia, South Africa, Cape Cod. Now, something that terrifies me also is because of global warming. And this is my one thing to everybody who, who claims it's a myth. By the way, do you think it's a myth or... You, you, oh, you, no, absolutely okay. not. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah, no, for people who think it's a myth, I'm about to prove global warming to you. Florida's most dangerous shark in the last billion years was a hammerhead or maybe a bull shark. That's those are our sharks. We 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 know how to deal with them. We see them. If we see them, we'll get out. We have reef sharks, obviously, but like the main big boys here are hammerheads bull sharks we found the world's largest great white shark off the coast of tampa last year in oh man yeah i heard about that yeah you're right they're not supposed to be here yeah they're another one that great you, whites yeah i don't know we can tag onto that that's not marine but um armadillos um you know they're known to be in texas and like mexico area their range is slowly expanding higher and higher and higher because the only limiting factor is heat you know there's just so much you could go out and get a vial of ocean water and measure and measure its acidity which is a result of like carbon dioxide in the air and see like oh it's more acidic now than it was last year and that's what more acidic than that was every year previous and all that shit um yeah that's another thing you know i i don't know how political you want to get but misinformation like that also makes marine science and research very difficult because it doesn't become a matter of like hey this issue is a problem it's convincing people that there's an issue to begin with and that's the whole vaccine thing too it's like people think yeah more than science i hate when people say oh, i'm not gonna get the vaccine i have to do a little bit more research what what research are you gonna do are you gonna go grab a thousand people and do your own study are you gonna develop your own vaccine and see and see do, do the test a and b and measure the variables it's like when there are scientists who devote their life to, to save yours, and and in, in terms of in terms of global warming, in terms of anything, it's like you got to listen to them. That that's that's what they're there. Yeah. For. And see, beyond that, what I like emphasizing to people is that, you know, 
scientists aren't just like a you know personal little clique that we have like our own sort of dogma or whatever like we all kind of group up and do the same thing no there are people whose job when you submit a paper to our journal right to get published there are people whose job it is to nitpick and find every single little fucking thing wrong with what you posted right we for our horseshoe prep paper you know seemingly something that isn't going to affect humanity in a grand scheme of things and like it's not it doesn't have these huge implications it's just about horseshoe crab bacteria we had to revise it i think five times before they accepted it like these like were big revisions they're like oh do this again or we need this information too or else we can't know that for sure Mm -hmm. and so just imagine the sort of process that vaccines especially a covid vaccine had to go through somebody's job is to stomp your idea out and make sure to make your life a living hell and if they can't do it then because then think about it if you kind of get complacent about it and you let something go through that shouldn't have gone through not only do the scientists who propose that well i don't even think it's the scientists who propose that to initially to go to jail i think the person trying to revise it and make edits they get charged with something they're not going to ruin their whole career just because they, we all have a dogma that we ascribe to, right? Yeah. It's not. I don't want to state so much combative. It's just that we want to make sure what we're putting out there is correct. And there right. are plenty of people out there whose job it is to make sure it remains that way. And, and people need to understand that. People need to understand that, that everything goes through this process. For the COVID vaccine, for example, I don't want to talk about it too much because it really doesn't have to do with, with yeah, it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's not something that was created in one year. The, the COVID vaccine is well the, the new technique that they developed for the covid vaccine has been in development for like 40 years this new development of like the way to get the mrna or whatever for for the vaccine so it's like they just had an actual opportunity to test it with the covid vaccine and thankfully it was successful but enough of that because that that's its own rabbit hole yeah got one, yeah got one final thing for you because it's it's been in the back of my head since i was seven i found this it looks like poop. Oh. <laughs> if you can see there's a ton of shells and like crystallization in it mm-hmm. and i'm really curious oh there we go oh let me hold on let me this is trying the camera's trying so hard there we go there it is there's a ton of crystallization bunch of shells that's very cool Now, is there anything you could tell me about this? And if it is poop, can you tell me it's poop? <laughs> if it is proper, I mean, so this is where I have, where my lack of experience kind of shines through. I am not super experienced with like an actual marine environment just yet. I still live in Nevada and uh, I don't have regular access to the ocean. Um, what that does remind me of, you know, let, let's go with the hypothesis that it's poop, right? Um, what that reminds me of, is triggerfish i believe you guys actually have them down there yeah in florida mm-hmm. um for those who don't know there there are these fish that are they're these predatory fish that have like really really strong jaws and teeth they you know when you go scuba diving or snorkeling they tell you like you know oh sharks yeah don't worry about them but if you see a triggerfish get the hell out of the way because they will like actually attack you and like they can rip your fingers off like bite your fingers off if they want to they're extremely territorial um they have those strong jaws because they break through uh mollusks shells like that and there's like a kind of marine science meme that these kind of poop sand i guess their job they they eat you know calcium deposit in sand and they, they poop it out and that's where the sand in the ocean comes from um that reminds me of that i think it is very i don't know how much how often it happens that they eat the entire sh- like shell these shells like are that. like completely uh-huh, intact exactly. Where is it? There you are. There we go. They're like completely intact. And there's like a bunch of stuff in there. Like I have, like part of me wants to like break it open in half, kind of see what the right cross section would be. Just for my own little research. But I remember I found, well, you also want to know something crazy. I didn't find this in the beach. I found oh. this in a in a park which makes me think it's a dog poop oh yeah <laughs> maybe they took a dog to the beach and it ate a bunch of shells and it pooped it out but 
I don't I don't think so. It's just I, yeah. I think it's a rock. Like this is Yeah, that's more of a paleontology question. Um I I took a paleontology class, but I am definitely not uh, qualified to really have very much less, you know, have opinions about that sort of thing. That's um Okay, no, that's fair. It's just yeah. it's something I've always had and it's super cool though, for sure. It's very oceany and it's the thing. The last thing, I know this I, I said this was the last thing, but what, what's your favorite animal? My favorite animal, I am I'm gonna be basic and I'm gonna say a killer whale. It's that's it's always been that way. That's sick. I, it's pretty basic, but it's cool. <laughs> I, see, I see the poster of the killer whale right there. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot. Those are um, two big murals, and those yeah. are like puzzles too that I've. I definitely uh, see the the marine biology passion. I love it. I absolutely love it. No, Fabian, listen, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. It was so 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 cool, and I hope we can maybe do it again in the future. Um, absolutely uh life is really crazy right now but this i had a lot of fun i i really miss this uh discourse here talking about my field i really enjoy it and um i i would love to come back again for sure well thank you again so much fabian and um i'll see you around yeah thank you very much i'll i'll definitely catch up to you later obviously yeah bye